Welcome to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast, where we share illuminating stories and knowledge to inform, educate, inspire and empower you in the areas of business, health, finance, philanthropy, art, and entrepreneurship, designed to help you achieve your goals. And now here is your host, Desiree Stanley. Welcome everyone to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Stanley. And with me today, I'm so thrilled to have Karen Tannenbaum. She is on the show today to share her story of starting Life Leaps podcast and also share her story of a life leap that she has taken. And so I'm so excited to have you on today, Karen. Thank you. Hello. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. I mentioned that you made kind of a big leap yourself, not just by starting a podcast, but also this life leap that you made. And so I want to hear all about it. And you do share some of that on your podcast in some of the episodes, but let's just start from what inspired you to make this big leap and tell us all about it. Sure. So I don't want to blame it on having a baby, but we kind of blame it on having a baby, (laughs) which is sort of the opposite thing that most people do when they have a kid, they hunker down. I guess I should say first, my life leap, which was we recently, my husband and I and my then 18-month-old toddler, he's now a couple months older, earlier this year, we uprooted our lives from our very comfortable Washington, D.C. apartment where we've lived in D.C. for over a decade, and we moved to southern Spain. And there already were like twists and turns involved in getting here to Southern Spain, which I talk about in the podcast. Maybe we hit on today. Who knows? But we're here now. As you can see, I'm currently like hunkered down in a largely unfurnished apartment. I'm scrolled away in the back bedroom, hiding from the rest of the family to chat with you because it's evening time here. And so, yeah, back to the blaming on the baby part. We sort of lived very comfortable lives. We loved to travel. We actually did do an around-the-world trip, my husband and I, when we were then just sort of dating. I guess we got engaged right before we went. Pre-kids, pre-COVID. And we did a nine-month like hiatus from work and traveled the world and did a mix of volunteering and traveling. And that was a really amazing special experience that I think we thought, we've always had the travel bug, but we thought like, this will get it out of our systems. We'll do this really cool thing. We'll come home. We'll get married. Maybe we'll have a kid or two, you know, Maybe we'll just settle down. Maybe we'll burn it out. Well, that did not happen, my friend. And instead, we ended up doing that, staying hungry for more. We came home, got married. COVID hit like a couple months later. And so the next thing we knew, we were basically hunkered down. The one-bedroom apartment with our cat, our dog. We were both working from home, like side by side at the countertop. It was just crazy. And D.C., like of all the places, D.C. was very, very locked down. At that point, we decided to try and start a family. We did that. My son was born in COVID. You know, I think somewhere in that mix, the combination of COVID and baby and being so free at one period in our lives and then just so grounded. I mean, being grounded by a newborn is crazy in any circumstances, right? But like with COVID and all the rest, we just really started talking about like, we have so much less time now. What do we want to do with our time? Where do we want to spend it? How do we want to spend it? We started talking about engineering our lives. And I think little by little, we really just started Googling. If we were to move somewhere, 
Like also, by the way, the cost of childcare, cost of childcare is really crazy in DC, like thousands of dollars a month. And we were like, okay, we have to keep working these somewhat higher paying jobs to pay for the childcare, to let us keep working for the jobs, to let us keep living in the apartment. That It just felt like this cycle. And so we started Googling like, where are places that it's a lower cost of living, but a higher quality of living that we could maybe go? Like, what, what would we do if we went somewhere? We literally were just Googling this. Power of Google. And Portugal, Southern Europe, like a variety of places ended up topping the lists. And honestly, we just went from there. There's a lot more that, that comes in between there and here, but everything starts with an idea, right? And that's how ours started is, you know, my husband Juan reflects back in an episode that I forced him into doing on our podcast, when we, right? Like two days before we actually finally left. And he reflects back and he's like, you know, part of him was he was like, I want to to do hard things and be brave. And I wanted to do that for Luca and to show Luca, like looking back, these are things that people don't usually maybe do, but we really wanted to do them. And so we did. And yeah, I can fill in whatever gaps you want. But here we are now after basically, you know, a couple months ago, now we've been here, we sold our car on a Tuesday. I had my last day of my work as a lawyer in D.C., First time in my professional life in over a decade, I'm like currently not working officially, like, you know, formally and had that on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we got on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> and we moved. And here you are now. And you mentioned Portugal initially. And I kind of know what happened because I've been listening to your show. Some things transpired while you were in Portugal that kind of forced your hand a little bit. And now you're in Spain. Do you want to share a little bit about that and what happened? Of course, the plot twist, the great yes. plot twist. Yes, because our first episode, we were like, we're taking off to Portugal. And then episode two, we were like, we can't stay in Portugal. <laughs> what are we doing? So yes. So why are like huge planners? I should preface it this way. You know, we can be free spirited and, you know, fly by the seat of our pants at times and adapt. But like, we're big planners. I should just say this. But for whatever reason, in our planning, when we were planning on moving to Portugal, we'd read that there was this new digital nomad visa. Now, these things are cropping up all over the world right now. And there is one in Spain, one in Portugal. I think Italy's getting one. You know, Google it. Again, the power of Google, because by the time you hear this podcast, there may be more. But they're all over. And so we were thinking, like, if we can work, if one of us at least can have a job based in the U.S. that lets us work remotely, we can be anywhere with a lower cost of living and pocket more of that money and live well and, and you know, live more flexibly. That was part of our goal. So the Portugal Digital Nomad Visa was perfect for us, but we had read either you can apply when you arrive in the country or in advance. And we felt comfortable we fit the requirements. And we were like, well, that's easy. There's a thousand things for us to do before we leave. Like, <laughs> we will apply upon arrival. You can maybe see where this is going, you guys. So we get to Portugal and like several days in, I connect with this attorney there and like all these support groups and all these things. And basically what we're reading through this you know, attorney blog is that was misinformation. There has been a lot of misinformation about applying for this brand new visa because it is new. It had just come out in October. We were in January of this year. And they're like, you cannot apply from Portugal, my friends. You need to go home. You have to wait it out, you know, however long it takes. And then you can come back. And we were like, oh, no. You're like, but, 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 but wait, we're here now. 
We're like, this is our home. <laughs> so yeah, so we had a moment. Okay, we had a few little moments there. And I think we were in denial. Like we were like, well, we're just going to stay in Portugal right now. We have three months on our tourist visa. We will figure this out if we have to. We'll go to the UK. Should we move to Costa Rica? Like, we don't know. And I was like, I am not going home. But luckily, a few days later, Juan read a Washington Post article that actually was talking about this brand new Spanish digital nomad visa. And, you know, cue Spain to the rescue. We basically said, like, the requirements are even more favorable. There was even better tax treatment, like a lot of really cool benefits. And you could apply from within the country, as it is with a lot of these visas. And so we weren't taking any chances. We got on the phone with a very qualified Spanish law firm. And we were like, look, tell us we can do this. Like, <laughs> So this attorney confirmed we could not do Portugal in person. But in Spain, we could apply. And it was actually better to apply in Spain. So we did. We bought the next plane tickets to Spain like a few weeks later. And here we are. <laughs> so there was a pivot within our leap, all that to say. Yeah. So... So let's talk about that time, though, that you were in Portugal and the experiences that you had there, because it was a number of weeks, right, that you were there before you had to switch it and go to Spain. And so what was your experience like living there? Because, as you said, you wanted to experience living somewhere else. And do you feel like you had that kind of opportunity within the time that you were there? And what was it like for you guys? You know, it's so funny because I feel like no matter how long I spend in a place, even if it's my hometown, I'm always finding new things that I didn't see before. And I feel like being in Portugal was no exception. I feel like I could never get enough of almost anywhere. But yes, we had, I will say like we had a really amazing time detoxing from our busy lives in DC. There was a little time in there when we were in denial that we couldn't stay. And so we were like, let's just, or if we can't stay, then let it, let's just be merry in the meantime. So yes, we had a great time. Like we ate the food, we went on tours, we rested, which is also what we needed and which we were allowed to do more in these like smaller places in Portugal. But it was funny, you know, Desiree, one thing that struck us, it kind of also made us, as much as I loved being in Portugal, and if I had the chance, I would go back and stay there. That's also wonderful and fine is it also made us realize like there were things that we had built up in our minds that might be easy that weren't so easy. Like Juan is fluent in Spanish. I'm also like conversational enough. And we were thinking, well, Portuguese is similar enough and maybe we'll just understand what's going on, no big deal. <laughs> and yes, a lot of people speak English, it's fine. But I will tell you, we did not understand anything of what was going on. And so <laughs> being in Spain, it was a bit more of like a breath of fresh air for us, you know, being more in line with like language and all the things. But no, it was fabulous. Could there have been more? Always. And maybe it'll be fun to go back and vacation, right? So that might be yes. another spot that you go back and just visit again. But I love that you said that it allowed you some time to just like breathe, right? There was that buildup leading up to your leap and leaving DC and your jobs and your place and you know, like you said, you sold your cars and you had pets. You, you had to, sort of this buildup. And when you got there, it sounds like it was just like this breath yes. where you could just relax for a few minutes. I'm sure there was still some things that were challenging. And then discovering that your visa you wouldn't be able to get while you were there was probably pretty scary. But I love that you took the best of it, right? You enjoyed the time that you were there. 
and now you're in Spain. And so tell us, how quickly did that happen? You said you talked to the attorney and they said, for sure, you're good. You can apply in Spain. How quickly did you move there? Yeah. So, and I should say about our dear sweet pets, we have temporarily homed them with friends and we will be bringing them in short order with us. But yes, still had to give up and away for a little bit. Yeah. But so, yeah, so we ended up, a small part of the story, we ended up in Italy visiting with some friends, as you do, vacation from a vacation. But no, we ended up in Italy for a little bit, and that was when we talked to the lawyer. We already had our flights from Italy pre-booked back to Portugal, because that's where we thought we were going to live. And so we were like, okay, we'll go, we'll go back to Portugal for a little bit. Why not? So we ended up going back to Portugal and spending another week there, luckily, while we were in Italy with some friends who were from Spain. And they didn't live there anymore, but they knew a lot. Obviously, they, they'd grown up there. And they were like, well, where do you want to go in Spain? We were like, you tell us. Like, <laughs> we want to be somewhere coastal, warmer, like pretty calm, just, you know, not crazy DC, not like Madrid necessarily. Where do we go? And they said, well, Malaga, Spain, which is in the South and where we are now. They were like, Malaga's like a lot's going on lately. We've heard a lot of like cool investment, a lot of art, a lot of culture, a lot of international people coming there. So sure, add that to your list at Valencia. They told us a few other places. And we were like, great, okay, we're writing these places down because we didn't know where most of them were. And we are writing them down. And when we get to Lisbon, like a few days later, we're like, where are the cheapest plane tickets <laughs> from Lisbon? Which of these cities in Spain, if we're going to check them all out, like, where can we get to the cheapest? What? Turned out it was Malaga. And so we flew to Malaga a couple of days later and we stayed. I mean, we came here, we loved it. And we did go and check out a few more places along the coast, which were also amazing. But we kind of fell in love with being here. I feel like we met amazing people. The pace of life is a lot slower. This is like a toddler's paradise, which Mm. (laughs) because there are parks and wide flat streets and playgrounds as far as the eye can see. And there's beach and there's playgrounds on the beach. And we're here. Like we, we stayed. We didn't love it actually in the very beginning. I think we were just so winded and still kind of like, all right, well, I guess we're in Spain. And now, I mean, we're just, yeah, I'm looking out my window. To the left, I have mountains. And to the right, like two blocks down is the sea. And I am paying half of my DC apartment rent. So yeah, we're really lucky. Awesome. And I want to talk a little bit about some things that you just mentioned, and that's budgeting, right? You were talking about what's the cheapest plane ticket we can get. So I'm sure there's a huge amount of budgeting that goes into this. And how did you guys kind of prepare for that? Did you begin squirreling money away? Was it like, we've got some things, some nest eggs, whatever, we're going to just use that to make this happen? Or what was it that you guys did? I love it. Because I always ask every person making a life leap on my podcast, I'm like, can you please tell me the dollars and cents? Because that is what everybody wants to know. (laughs) Yes, there are your self-limiting beliefs and those are real, but like there's also money. What is the the deal? Yeah. So Juan and I, I guess it starts, honestly, both of us are pretty big savers. Both of us, and we talk a little bit about this in our first episode that we did in the podcast. And a lot of it is like, we lived in group houses before we met like well into our 20s, early 30s, like DC, this is a bit more of an acceptable culture, but like we saved a lot. We didn't have expensive cars. We actually didn't have cars for a long time. So sort of this 
I had this sort of personal finance obsession in a way, but frankly, I didn't start learning about it really until like my late 20s. And then it just sort of became a thing for me. Like, how can I make sure I live on less than what I make? How can I make, whether I am like thrift store clothes, whether I am like whatever it is, um, if I want to go out with friends and still have like a cocktail or something, maybe I eat at home before I go. And then I have less of a bill. This is small stuff, but I just feel like we always kind of started with that mindset, number one. So we've been saving money all along. Even when we traveled the world, we volunteer for a third of our time, but we did it through programs where we, in exchange for room and board, we did the volunteer work, like working on a wine farm, working on a honeybee farm, like whatever. There are a lot more ways to make the dollars and cents work than you think. We always like did credit cards with the travel points where you spend just enough to get it. We got all of our plane tickets free on our trip around the world, for example, because we spent a year preparing like with those travel credit cards and getting points, whatever. And so I think part of that mindset starts early. I will also say in terms of like our lifestyle right now, we've really reined it in right before coming to Spain because we knew we were cutting our incomes in half. I could not take my job with me. Just the nature of the job that I did in D.C. was not portable outside of the country. Luckily, Juan's was. But even he had taken sort of a life leap of his own, changing like sort of a bigger consulting job to working for a startup. And so we knew we were taking financial risks. But we also knew two things. Number one, that we've been saving all along. Number two, that we could go back to like hopefully making more money if we really needed to, if we ended up falling on our butts, which we haven't yet, knock on wood. But in the meantime, I think we really have just been like really deliberate about rating in our lifestyles. And we were very careful about where we chose to be in Spain is a lot lower cost of living. People often say, you can live off of a couple thousand dollars a month here. You can live really well. That's why early on when we were Googling where to go, we were like, where can we live decently for not a lot of money? And Malaga is also on a lot of those lists. And so, yeah, I think it's just being really, really mindful. And I read a lot of books about personal books, which is not that hip or cool. But that's a really big part of a life leap because you have to feel good about the money to take the risk. Absolutely. Those are some great points. I love that you're talking about not just how you can maybe save some money, but the idea of using those credit cards that give you miles so that you've got those free airline tickets, because that's huge. And then, like you said, you're volunteering for room and board. What a great way to be able to explore the world and not have to come out of pocket so much. So that's fantastic. I love those. Great advice for, for people who are listening that are trying to figure out how do I make this happen? And then I want to also touch on your son, Luca, who you've mentioned a couple of times and how, you know, he's pretty young. So, you know, in a way, this is very easy for him because it's like wherever mom and dad are is home, right? No, he's not tied to any one location right now, but the travel can be a little difficult with toddlers. So how has it been with Luca? That is such a great question. That is the question. I feel like next to the money thing is like, what is your kid doing? <laughs> I am afraid to say this, but it's been okay. I mean, there have been acute moments of like, oh gosh, for other reasons. Okay. Like we're this journey. We've been like, what are we doing? What have we done? Like those moments. Oh my gosh, of course. But they weren't really because of Luca. And it's interesting because I don't feel like you know, the stress, maybe it's because we raised a baby in COVID, y'all, but like, I feel like the stress of having a small child during a pandemic 
versus the stress of dealing with a small child having, I don't know, a tantrum with a beautiful beach backdrop. Like, I just don't think (laughs) it's really not as bad as you think. And look, I cannot speak to everybody's experience because different people have kids with different needs, different personalities. And I don't think that as parents, we get to control that. I think you can work with the child you're given and you try and help them grow. And, you know, so I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, you guys don't think you can handle it? No, not at all. I can say that in our experience, I think early on from having him, we were like, we have got to get out of this house. We are going to have him used to moving. This child naps in the stroller. Like, and that's actually started with his preference, but has been very lucky. Like, he put him to sleep in his stroller and he just stays sleeping there. <laughs> like for his nap, I mean, at night he sleeps in a crib, now a bed, okay? But, but I got to tell y'all, it's not just that it gets easier because like your kid gets better behaved necessarily, although they do get more adjusted. Part of it's like you get into a rhythm. Whatever you're used to doing, you will do. For our first few months, and I know you're going to be like, Karen, you're crazy when I say this, but we were moving locations like every week or two. And part of that was because we start our travels after we give up our apartment on the holidays. We have family in various different cities. And so we were spending a week there throughout December visiting each family member. And then it was back in D.C. for a week. And then it was various places in Portugal, Italy. Again, we were trying to figure out where we wanted to be in Spain. So we were in a couple different locations there. And I'd say like after a month or so of doing this, you get so quick at packing your bags. You get so quick at unpacking your bags. You get so quick at getting the right snacks for your kid. You know, Luca now, when we get anywhere near an airport, he's like, avion, which is the Spanish word for plane. Like, he knows. He knows the trail. And so I think it's just that startup juice and that mindset. It really gets easier, or at least your mind doesn't register the trauma and difficulty as much <laughs> the more you do it. Well, it's like anything, right? It's that experience. You go through it a couple of times. You learn, okay, I know next time I need to do it this way or that way. And like you said, you begin to learn those skills of how do I pack and unpack quickly and what snacks do I need to have on hand like at all times. So talking about packing, I'm assuming that you guys cut your you know, belongings and wardrobe down to the bones, right? We did. We did. You know, it's funny, though, because when we did our trip around the world, we each had like a backpack and not that much more. And so doing this trip, even though like a normal human being, we did not have a lot. We were like, this is so much more. We've got a car seat now and we've got this travel stroller and we've got a travel crib and we, you know, his little board books that we slimmed down, but you still have board books and a thousand pairs of kid socks or whatever. We did. So we cut it down a lot. And Y'all, it's doable. You just like, as things wear out, you replace them. And we've slowly accumulated more now that we've been here. And that's okay. That was by design. We're we're more steady and stable now. We're trying to do it in like a more mindful way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, we each brought like, like two duffel bags and then maybe a couple, like a little mini backpack, each of us for a carry on. And that was it. (laughs) And so talk about how you guys came to decide on what you were going to bring. So you did mention you've got to have some board books for Luca. You've got to have some things for him. He needs his socks. And for whatever reason, kids' socks get lost like there's no tomorrow. And it's just one of the mysteries of life, I think. But but how did you guys like decide? Did you say like, I'm going to make these capsule wardrobes or, you know, am I going to just, this is it. I'm just bringing this and I don't care. I'll figure it out later. I mean, how was your your thought process on that? 
Yeah, it was kind of like a process of, we try to think of it instead of elimination, selection. Mm-hmm. This is like, I, I went very Marie Kondo on this, but like, what sparks joy? What am I going to keep as opposed to what am I giving up? And so I think I just said, I remember having a pile of clothes and having various dates of making cuts. Like the first mm-hmm. cut was, all right, we're going to send a bunch of stuff to the storage unit in December. Let me like, at least just chuck that to the side what I know I don't want. But basically like from there, it was kind of, what am I selecting that makes sense for me to bring? I'm going to throw it in this cardboard box for right now. And then like a week later, a day later, whatever my time frame was at the given moment, as I slowly slimmed down, it was like, okay, what from these am I going to select now? Like, what am I, you know what I mean? And there, and there are people who write like blogs about this and all kinds of things. And these are the basic things you need. And people way smarter than me who make all these lists of, like you said, the capsule wardrobe or what do you need that can help you with that. I think we pack more clothes for Luca than ourselves. They made one promise me. I was like, look, I'm going to really slim down for this because you used to always like complain on our trip around the world that I had too much. I was like, I'm going to really slim down for this, sir. I was like, but I need you to not fight me. When we are standing on a corner and I see a cool place that's selling clothes, like I'm going in, you know, and I didn't love anything I had at the moment anyways, because it was COVID and I hadn't like refreshed my wardrobe in forever. So I didn't feel like I was so attached, but he agreed and I agreed. And so far, we've mostly kept to that. My my wardrobe's expanded a little bit, Desiree, since, we, <laughs> since we've stabilized, but you can do it with less. You can. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that you guys talked it through, made a bit of an agreement. And I love that you said, you know, if I find something, there's, there's nothing holding me back. I'm going to get it. And that he's like, all right, okay, we'll, we'll agree to that. That's cool. So now Karen, let's transition a little bit into the conversation around your podcast. And what was it that inspired you to start that? Was it specifically related to creating it because you were making this life leap or was there something else that inspired you to, to start it? That is so funny because I often wonder like what came first because I looked back at a journal entry. I try to journal, not as religiously as I should, but I looked back at a journal entry that I wrote several years ago and it was like goals for this year. I mean, obviously I didn't do it then, but I was like, I'm going to start a podcast about lawyers leaving the law. Like that was initially the plan as I was, <laughs> and I think it was, I know it was and remains conversations I want to be having. And so if back then, and I was shocked myself because I asked Juan, I was like, did I talk about starting a podcast then? He was like, I have no idea. So it was in my mind. Okay. I like manifested it somehow in the universe and it was going to be a little more narrow. And I obviously broadened it to life leaps generally, people of all walks of life, including some lawyers. But I think it's just like for most of us, it's conversations we want to be having. And for me, podcasting was like, I love talking to people. I love people. And I feel like you talk about the importance of being in flow when you're totally focused, when you're totally engaged, nothing else matters. I feel like when I'm having a really good conversation with someone, that's how I feel. And I love learning from people. And I feel like, yeah, for me, podcasting was like, oh, this is a platform where I can legitimately do that. Not only can I talk to the people I love and like who will probably agree to talk to me anyways offline. But maybe I can even talk to people who wouldn't otherwise consider talking to me, like, you know, because I have this podcast and I can learn and then I can share with other. Seems like a win-win. Now, I didn't think about podcast editing at that point, which is a whole nother ballgame. Certainly didn't even know how to do an Instagram reel. I've recently learned. But bottom line, the actual podcasting, probably the conversations, it's kind of like a no-brainer. So in terms of whether I planned, like, no, we had no idea we were going to move to Southern Europe, certainly, as you know, not Spain. 
But the fact that I wanted to have so many life leap conversations, I've always wanted them through my life, but around the time that I started the podcast, I feel like was just symbolic of the fact that I felt that something was coming. I wanted something to come and I wanted those conversations to help me. Yeah. So, yeah. awesome. (laughs) And you mentioned a couple of things in there that I want to touch on. And one of them is editing and how much time that you had no idea that was going to take, right? At least for me, I had no idea the amount of time that I would be spending editing. And to be honest, my husband, who has his own podcast, is like, you're spending too much time editing. And I, I say, agree to disagree, okay? But what kind of tools are you using to help you with your podcast? Because if there's listeners who are considering it, let's mm-hmm. share um, some tools that have been helpful for you because- I want to know too, is there something that you're doing that I'm not, that I could implement that would make my show even better? So what do you think? Yes, totally. Okay. I record in Riverside, which Mm. is very similar to Zoom, but I think like more tailored for podcasting. I happen to like it because I'm not very technologically savvy. As you learned when we were trying to start this (laughs) this interview and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I can't hear you. What do I do? I had to call in the tech support, my husband. But uh, yeah, so I'm recording in Riverside, which I really like. I feel like the audio quality is working well for me there. And then from Riverside, you can create like little clips. You can download the video, audio, whatever, export it. And then I'm editing in Descript, which is D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T. And I honestly don't know that I would have stuck with podcasting if I hadn't started with that first, because initially for my trailer, we used GarageBand. And Juan helped me with that. And I was like, I can't do this. All these little like squiggle lines on a screen that are supposed to represent text bits that I'm supposed to locate and like remember where, who said what. I was like, I can't do this. I think I'm like operating a spaceship. It's just this black interface with this. Anyway, so Descript is amazing. You're shaking your head. Sounds like you know, for those of you who don't, it's basically, it's AI software that creates almost instantly a transcript of your audio conversation. So the conversation you and I have right now, you basically like import it over to the script, like drag and drop. And within minutes, you've got a transcript of everything, which is A, pretty cool in and of itself, but B, you can edit that thing such that when you're editing the text, just like a Word document, say I want to cut out a paragraph, the underlying audio underneath does the same thing. Like that paragraph goes away. If you want to move it, the underlying audio moves too. So you're editing your recording in what looks basically like a Word document. Now, it's a little glitchy sometimes. It's a little cumbersome sometimes. I think it's because it's one of the, like, the first that's doing it. But you guys, it's a game changer. And actually, Riverside just came out with a similar feature, which I've been too path dependent to try. But I'm going to. I will report back. I edit it into script. And then from there, I send it to Buzzsprout, which is my hosting platform. And so I edit for Substance and Descript, although I think they also help with some audio leveling, but really Buzzsprout for a couple extra bucks a month has got this thing called magic mastering, which they call it very cleverly, like an Instagram filter for your audio, which basically when you upload it, it sort of levels the audio, fixes, sort of makes it sound a little smoother, makes me sound hopefully better than I do in real life, (laughs) better than I am. And that's it. That's the magic. And, and, you know, as folks who do podcasts know, Buzzsprout then sends it for you or puts it in a place where Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts and all the rest can pick it up. 
Awesome. And I do that Did every you... Wednesday. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we'll talk more specifically about your show, like when people can hear it and all of that. But thank you for sharing some of those tools. That sounds fantastic. And I I do just love Descript. I've started using it myself. And as you said, it's what a game changer. It's so fantastic. And it's just not only are you editing out those words or or paragraphs, so it changes your audio, but it's also works with video as well. And so you're clipping sections. And so that has been a big game changer for me. I love it. But I'm going to check on Riverside because that sounds really great. So let's talk then about your show. And you had mentioned about originally the concept was lawyers who've left the law career and did something else. And so what has it become now? Yes. And I remembered I was actually going to call it how to leave the law asking for a friend. Because I didn't think I didn't want to fess up. <laughs> it was, and I was thinking about doing it anonymously when I first, like, I didn't want people to know that I was the lawyer doing it. So, yes, it has become now much broader. I, same theme, really, people making changes. But I decided I didn't just didn't know if I wanted to talk to lawyers all day. I was doing that in my day job already. So I was like, why don't I make this a little larger? So my goal with my podcast, which I've been doing for a couple months now, is to talk to people, I guess our tagline is inspiring stories of ordinary people who've made extraordinary life changes. And it's for anyone who's considering a life leap, big or small. The idea is I sit down with folks and much like you are doing with me right now, I pick their brains. So I ask them what drove them, what almost held them back, like times things didn't go as planned and kind of what kept them going through those moments. And insights for the rest of us who are, again, considering life leaps big or small. I always close with that, like what takeaways they have for everyone else. And yeah, I've had everything from like my first episode was a traveling family. I guess no surprise given my love of traveling. But it was a family who took their two kids, uprooted their lives, found a way to travel the world and make money while doing it for several years. The only stuff with COVID actually. And the jet setting family. And I talked to a British woman who in her 60s opened up an animal sanctuary on a Greece mountainside. So more like attainable things for the rest of us, like going from employee to entrepreneur, going from being out of a job to, you know, doing your own startup. I recently talked to a family who moved to Thailand in sort of a spinoff of what I've typically done. Actually, this week had an episode of someone who decided to be a single mom by choice. And so I really... I'll have another leap for love coming up in a couple of weeks. And so it often includes a job change of some sort because so many of our leaps do, right? Like there's always a money component. There's a lawyer who turned farmer, another lawyer who started writing children's books with her daughter, a teacher turned podcaster. You know, I've done, yeah, I've tried to kind of run the gamut, but I think the common thread is I'm really asking everyone the same questions and you'd be shocked at how distinct their stories are, but similar their answers and at least their themes are. And so that has been, I think, really eye-opening in terms of like, we're all so different, but the things that hold us back, the things that keep us going, the places we find that startup juice we need to do something in the first place, like that's really universal. And so that's been really eye-opening and special for me. And I think I hope for listeners too. So, yeah, I love it. And and I have been enjoying hearing the different episodes of your show. And as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's run the gamut. And I feel like 
that gives everyone an option to see like, wow, okay, they went from here to here and maybe that's possible for me. I I may not want to go and do that specific thing. Like I'm not going to start a sanctuary on a Greece island, although that sounds kind of cool. It maybe isn't for me in my particular lifestyle, but that I can see somebody else has done it. And, you know, what could I do to make these things, the changes I want to make in my life to take it the direction I want to go. And so that's fantastic. And, and does have a lot of the same kind of, you know, golden thread, if you will, Mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. And that's sharing illuminating stories designed to inspire and empower and, you know, educate uh, uh, the listeners. And so I, I love it. And, and that's why I wanted you on the show, because you are an inspiration. You are inspiring in what this huge leap that you've taken with your young son and your husband. And this is not the safe thing, right? It's so far from the safe thing. And you mentioned in the beginning about how most people, when they have children, it's like you settle down, right? You get set in a place because you think like, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to set up our little nest and this is, you know, where we stay, but it doesn't have to be that way. And you've shown that you can do so much more if that's what you want. And I love that. So Karen, tell us, we've been in Portugal, you're in Spain now. What would you say that that's done for you in terms of your podcast? Like what kind of things have sort of shifted for you in your approach maybe to the podcast and the different episodes that you're doing? Sure. So the first big one is I never, I intended to be, I guess I didn't really have a great idea of what my role as host would be early on. Like I wanted to be the person that was sort of just not the fly on the wall, but like the person just drawing out the stories from other people. Like I'm just a vehicle. I'm just, you know, whatever. And I guess I should have known that that would evolve because A, nobody wants to hear just one person talk the whole episode. I mean, unless they're really, really important. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but but it's a conversation. People want to hear conversations. And so I think I stopped editing myself out as much after getting Mm. some feedback that like, yo, this is your show, like engage. It's fine. And so I started growing my own presence or allowing myself to be a little bit more, I think, a part of the conversations. But in terms of that next step of like me and Juan actually having our own episodes, that was much more recent, right? Like when we were about to leave, I was like, we should do this. Let's just do this. Let's do your host leap in progress. And Juan was like, I don't know. Are you sure? I'm really nervous. Do you promise you'll talk more than me? I don't know. He was not into it. Okay. Except afterwards, he was appreciative. He was like, now we have something to reflect on. Yeah. So doing our own episodes, that has been a big change, but exciting. I think we're going to do another one next week. So that's one thing. I think honestly, it's more how much I'm growing to appreciate the episodes in a new way as I make my own leaps. Like Mm -hmm. I'm finding new meaning as I am moving forward in my life and my leap with the same conversations I had a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I say a long time ago, last few months. I remember thinking, I had a conversation recently, again, with this woman who decided to become a single mom by choice. And some of the things she said about like, finding resources, finding your community, like building scaffolding around yourself. And I remember it made me think of like my third episode with a single, I guess he's unmarried, doesn't have kids, like very different lifestyle than her, who wonderful dude, by the way, but I'm just trying to point out the difference. And 
something that he talked about. He went from being out of a job working on Capitol Hill in D.C. to like doing a tech startup that now educates Congress. One thing that he talked about was scaffolding. He talked about building your structures around yourself. And I just started thinking, okay, and how am I doing that? What can I be doing? We interviewed a family who moved to Thailand and they talked about like a couple months in how they really had a low at first. And they've been there four years now, started a school, all the things. But a few months in, they were like, we felt really low. We really questioned our decision. It was kind of like the gold dust wore off and it was just hard at first. And I was like, oh, wow. Like thinking of moments where it had been hard for me and why. And so I think that as you make your own leap and you make your own life changes or even take a moment to reflect back, like all of us have really made leaps already. All of us have stories. All of us have strength to draw on. We just may not see that story yet until we sit down and tell it and think about it. But that's the big transition is like what I am seeing in the commonalities of my story of my life with these totally different people that I never knew their stories before. And now there's this connection. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it does sound like we, when we hear these stories and when we share these stories, there's so much that we can draw from the experiences that others have gone through. And if we can learn from their experiences, it's like a leap for us in advancement, right? We say, oh, they went through that. Okay, now I know I don't have to go through that because I could take this step instead. Like learning, I, I can't get this visa while I'm in Portugal. I need to get it while I'm still at home. And so who would have known, right? Unless you're, Not like, me. <laughs> unless you're super due for structured planning, you've crossed every T and dotted every I. And sometimes even when you do all of that, things crop up that you didn't know about and you learn as you go. But when you share these stories, it can help somebody else maybe bypass that little bump in the road, if you will. Yeah. And that honestly is my biggest hope in starting this podcast and having these conversations is making people feel less alone. Because, and like you said, not only are they not alone, but hearing someone else make a big change even if their change looks totally different from yours, seeing them do it, it's almost like can be contagious, you know? And, you know, you talk about themes and the common thread, despite all these different people and walks of life. The top themes that I've seen is number one, people suddenly finding their community and realizing they're not alone. And that is when it becomes real for so many people. From, again, the jet setting family, they found people on Instagram. They were like, oh, families are doing this? To like Lori, the single mom by choice, from going primacy and recency, you know, first and last, her being like, I found this national organization and little did I know there's this whole village. And I think that is the theme is you're not alone, realizing you're not alone, finding your people, whether it's people who are doing what you want to be doing, or frankly, if you don't even know what that is, people who are asking the same questions you're asking, people who are at your same starting point, like whatever, just find a resource, find your people. And listen to other people's stories, even if they're different than yours, because I think that rubs off. I really do. That's excellent advice. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for summing that up so well, too. It was awesome. Well, Karen, I have so enjoyed our conversation and I really could keep talking to you for hours, but we don't have hours today, unfortunately. <laughs> so to wrap up the show, I want to know. As I ask all my guests, if there are books that you've read or are reading now 
or maybe podcasts that you're listening to that you think have been beneficial or influential in your life that would be beneficial or helpful to the listeners? Sure. So podcast-wise, I'm going to go in two totally different directions. Number one, I've always loved NPR's How I Built This. I feel like, again, even if people are forming things totally different from what you're doing, it's like seeing how people thought about problems or how their stories began. And I kind of thought of Life Loops podcast as almost like a how I built this, but for Life Leaps, like asking people to reflect back. And, you know, now I'm tracking more leaps in progress too, because I think that's fresh and exciting and, and I'm mixing that in. But so that, how I built this. And also totally different direction in the personal finance one. I love the Clark Howard podcast. He is this like old school, kind of like self-professed, nerdy personal finance dude in his 60s, but but very lovable. <laughs> and is just a, a consumer advocate, personal finance guru. I really try to listen to his podcast almost every day. And if I don't, I catch up on it. It's a daily podcast. Anyway, I feel like that's in my whole like trying to keep myself fresh on on best ways to save money, best, you know, kind of keeping that sharpen me. So that podcast. And, okay, a book that I read, it's one of Oprah's memoirs. And I read this book when I was still a new mom and so was not looking for anything heavy and was just looking for sort of like a warm, you know, like chicken noodle soup for the teenage soul. For the <laughs> Oprah was like that for the new mom soul for me. It was a collection of her essays that she'd written over the years, and she put it together into a book. I will send you the name. And the reason it was important to me is she reflects on a lot of her journeys, but a lot of the common thread is both appreciating your life, but being willing and not afraid to take risks to try new things in your life. And she talks about when she first became Oprah, basically, she had to leave a cushy news station job where they almost have like not threatened her, but they were like, you're not going to find anything better than this. And she was really afraid she wouldn't. And I think that's a fear all of us, myself included, have. But she was like, I like the version of my life better where I tried and I didn't want to have the regret. I remember thinking that same thing in deciding to move to Spain. I was like, the success is not going to be moving to Spain and everything working out or Portugal and everything working out as planned, as we know. The success to me has got to be just trying. And I like that version of my life better. So, yeah, that book kind of helped me get there on that. So Excellent. Those are some fantastic suggestions. I definitely will look forward to getting that name from you and I'll include it in the show notes for the listeners so yes. that they can check that out as well. And yeah, I just started listening to How I Built This from a recommendation of another guest. And so the finance one, I'm super interested. I'm going to check that one out as well. And I'll, again, include all this information in the show notes. And now to share with the listeners, how can they follow your story and your journey and your show? Life Leaps podcast. So tell us all about where we can find all of the places to follow you. Yes. And the Oprah book just came to me. It's called What I Know for Sure. Um, okay. okay. So that is that. It. <laughs> and in terms of following me. Yeah. So I have got a Life Leaps podcast Instagram page just under that name, Life Leaps podcast, L-E-A-P-S. And a Life Leaps podcast Facebook page. You can also email me at lifeleapspodcast at gmail.com. Basically, when you're looking for the logo and Apple, Spotify, website, wherever, just look for the yellow shoes that are on the concrete with two arrows pointing in the opposite directions. That's so Pretty. clever. Yeah. Yeah. I designed that myself on a whim one day when I was like, I can't think about this anymore. I just have to do the thing, you know, onward. 
But yes, yeah. so look for the Yellow Shoes Life Leads podcast. You can Google us. Karen, thank you again so much for coming on the show and sharing the journey so far in your life leap. I would love to have you on again later so we can hear more about your journey. And then the listeners, of course, can follow along on your podcast, Life Leaps Podcast. So thank you again for sharing that. And thank you for your time in coming on my show, The Pockets of Knowledge. I appreciate you being so flexible and making it happen since we are kind of nearly opposite sides of the globe. But thank you again for your time and thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a good discussion. I think what you're doing is really special. I've loved the interviews of yours I've listened to so far. I think you have like a very soothing, sort of calming approach. I've also loved your solo episode. So yeah, where you're doing hard things. I know you mentioned like that. So thank you. And I would love to come back on and cannot wait to keep following you and your guests. Thank you. We'll talk soon, Karen. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. Be sure to join us again next week for more great information designed to educate, inspire, and empower you to achieve your goals. And thanks again for listening. Thank you all for being here. I'm thrilled to have you join me for my new podcast. If you found this episode enjoyable, I'd love for you to show your support by following, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback will not only help me improve, but it will also help others discover the content. Happy listening.